Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Y'all doing all right? Hope y'all had a great Thanksgiving. Hey, before I begin, let me just say first and foremost that uh, even though I am so grateful every time he speaks and he is a faithful communicator of God's scriptures, I am so glad that Caleb is not speaking today because we would have 30 minutes of seeing him wearing his Michigan hoodie all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would talk about how Texas Tech, my Red Raiders, beat OU, but y'all could care less even more about that. So let's talk about stuff that we care about, right? All right. (laughs) In 1857, um, there was some ancient graffiti that was discovered on the Palatine Hill in Rome. And this is kind of a picture of it. It's kind of hard to see. It's a little scratches there. But to kind of give you an idea of what it is right here, there's a person right here. And this person is worshiping this person who is being crucified, and this person being crucified has a donkey's head. So this is graffiti. In other words, what this graffiti is basically expressing, now this was, you know, uh, was drawn or scratched out somewhere around 200 AD. And basically what this, what this is saying is that this guy is worshiping this God who is being crucified, who has a donkey's head. And here in Latin, it's kind of hard to see, but in Latin here it says, Alexemenos worships his God. It's graffiti making fun of this guy, Alexamenos, who is worshiping a God who is crucified on a cross. Now, 200 years ago, if you lived in Rome or the Roman Empire, uh, you would have grown up in a culture that would have said or would have thought that anybody who was crucified, who died on a cross, was a criminal of the worst kind. In fact, the word excruciating. Excruciating comes from two Latin words, ex crucius, which is, it comes from the word uh, crux, which is the word cross. It's out of the cross, out of the cross. So to feel a sense of great anguish and pain means to be like dying on a cross. So back in those days, only the worst criminals were crucified on the cross. They were the ones that society said they deserve it. So 200 AD, there's outsiders would have looked at Alexemenos and thought, this guy is an idiot. This guy's an idiot because he worships a God who is basically a criminal. He's worshiping the worst kind of criminal, a criminal that was crucified on the cross. So even if you would have known the word Jesus in those days, you would have thought, well, if he died on the cross, just Jesus must have been a criminal. So if you are worshiping Jesus, who's a criminal, that's weird. You're a moron. You're an idiot. It's making fun of Alexamenos worshiping Jesus Christ. It'd be no different today. I mean, we like, you know, you can beat up on somebody like that, but it'd be no different than people today. If people on the outside thought that we worshiped uh, people like John Wayne Gracie. Y'all know who John Wayne Gracie is? If you don't know who he is, he's the reason why people don't, are afraid of clowns, all right? Really the worst kind of vile kind of criminal. And so it would be like an outsider looking at us and going, oh, we must worship somebody like that. And obviously, the outside world, they, that's what they would thought. They would think we, too, would be a bunch of clowns, that we would be just this horrible group of people. So 1,800 years ago, Alexamenos is worshiping his God. What a clown Alexamenos is for worshiping a criminal. But Alexamenos knows something different than the person who did this graffiti, this outsider. Alexamenos recognize and realize that this God is no criminal. This is a God who chose, the living God, the one true living God who chose out of his love to become one of us because he loves us. And through that, 
he died, yes, a criminal's death on a cross. And did people think that, you know, and, and he was hung on the cross and he died for us in excruciating pain? Not because he was a criminal. The very opposite of that. It's a man who did nothing wrong. Perfect in every single way. Who loved us tremendously to the point of dying on the cross. Yes, a criminal's death. In order to pay the penalty for us criminals before a righteous, wonderful, beautiful God. So that through that death we may be freed from the imprisonment of our own sins and, through that, have an amazing relationship with our God forever. That's who Alexamenos worshipped. And it's no different today. How many of you guys have ever thought, maybe you thought at one time that people who got up on Sunday mornings and went to church were kind of weird? You know, there's a lot of other things that you could be doing with your time. It seems like a waste of your time. You can go to the beach, you can go to the parks, you can invest in better time in your kids by, you know, putting them in soccer or baseball or things of that nature. Or you had just this different thought about Jesus. It's just some weird religious figure by which weird people worship. And, And then something happened in your life by which all the things that you thought about Jesus were turned upside down. That actually, Jesus isn't just some religious person by which we go and do some religious stuff and do some religious things, but he was an actual human being who lived on this planet 2,000 years ago, who actually died, who actually rose from the dead. And that matters because in his death, he loves us to the point of forgiving us and knowing all the junk about us, he still loves us tremendously. And that through his resurrection, we have eternal life. When we come to that place, it's, it's, it's like turning on the light switch. Like with Alexamenos, there was a day, I'm sure, where the light switch came on for him. For, for many in the Roman Empire, there was a light switch that came on. That maybe the, the thinking and the thoughts about this Jesus were all wrong. And, and the more that they began to understand who he was, the more they began to see this isn't just some criminal This isn't just some person. This is the living God who came into this world to, to, out of his love, to die for us. This is something so different. It's like the light turned on. Some of us who grew up even going to church, maybe that happened to us. We just kind of went and did the Sunday deal. We did the Bible studies. But it was until we began to realize that maybe we're missing something. Maybe... Life is more than just a bunch of religious exercises and doing things. And then all of a sudden, there's something that happened in your life that realized, oh, wait a minute, God's not really into my religion. He just wants a relationship with me. And that changed things in your life by which then instead of pursuing a religion, you begin to pursue a relationship by which then everything began to shift and change. That there is this sense where now... God comes into more clear view of who he is, what he's about, and what he desires um, from us in this relationship with him. And so today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about this, this new kind of relationship that God is calling us into. Not into religion, not into any of that sort of stuff, but into a relationship with him that then through that, as he changes our hearts and our lives, that moves us into a relationship with others, with humanity. The same way as he's moved into a relationship with us, he calls us to go move into a relationship with other people. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Jesus mentioned it like this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said this. Then Jesus said to the crowd, okay, 
If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but I, you know, there's been a long period in my life that every time I read this scripture here, I looked at it and I went, well, that sounds nice. Jesus kind of feels like he's raising the bar. But I don't know if I'm going to be honest with myself and with God. I don't know whether I really like this. That Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, any of you guys want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what Jesus says. You must give up your own way. How many of you think, man, that sounds great? Okay. If any of you want to follow me, you must give up your own way. He doesn't stop there. He says, all right, so you must give up your own way. And here's the deal. If you want to be my follower, take up your cross every single day and follow me. Well, that sounds pretty painful. So to the, to the outsider, I look at this and I go, this looks foolish. This looks idiotic. It feels like I'm going to lose who I am by giving up my own way. And it sounds really painful. Take up your cross daily. This sounds like not the greatest way to live my life. And so even though it sounds great to follow Jesus because, you know, pictures of him, he's all nice like little rainbows and fuzziness and love and, and uh, you know, he's so, you know, such a good person and all that. And then all of a sudden, well, wait a minute, Tyler, if you want to follow me, here's the deal you got to deny your own way, Tyler, and you got to take up your cross every single day and follow me. So as an outsider thinking about this, I go, man, this this doesn't really seem all that great. I lose myself and I lose my life. But Jesus said something, you know, also. He said, those who give up their life will find it. There's something in there that Jesus wants to rock my world and rock my paradigm, that basically Jesus is saying, Tyler, If you give up your own way and take up your cross, guess what? You will find life in life to the fullest. So there's something that when I read this verse, I'm reading it as an outsider, that I need to kind of come like the Alex if you will, to come inside and kind of say, okay, so who are you? What is this really about? Okay, on the outside, it looks foolish, it looks dumb, it looks idiotic. But to the Savior of the world, God of God, Lord of Lord, the Lagos, the, 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 the word, the, the one who knows all things, says this is life and life into the fullest. And slowly over time, I begin to realize that really what Jesus is inviting me into is actually when I follow him, I actually find who I really am. There's so much of this world that wants to put its fingerprints on me. And other people that want to put their fingerprints on me and power and possessions and things and stuff that want to put their possession, put their fingerprints on me that I actually lose who I really am. But when I begin to shed all of those things and follow Jesus, I begin to find out who I am, who the God of the universe created me to be. I actually find myself and take up your cross daily. Yeah, it sounds still sounds pretty bad. I can take up my cross, hang on the cross. That sounds really harsh. Until I realize what the cross is and, and what sacrifice is. Do you know what the cross is? Cross, the cross is the ultimate form of generosity. It is the ultimate 
form of generosity. It is the ultimate form of love. That Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, chose to hang on a cross because he loves me. That was his choice of generosity towards me. It was his choice of generosity towards you for the forgiveness of your sins, for your relationship with him and relationship with God forever and ever and ever and ever. So what Jesus is saying, Tyler, if you want to find yourself, come follow me. And in finding yourself, you're going to find it in the way that I'm going to change your heart by which you're going to love people so much that you're willing to give up your life for them. Do you know the word passion? You've heard the passion of Christ or you heard being passionate about something. It's a Latin word, passio. Do you know what it means? It means to suffer. It means to suffer. So when you have a passion for something, it means you're willing to suffer for it, right? How many of y'all have kids and you know you've suffered probably quite a bit for your kids in one way or the other, but you love them. You see it as a form of love rather than a form of sacrifice. In other words, when God changes our hearts where he's moving a heart towards generosity towards others, we are willing to step into the cross of suffering for other people because we just love them and we desire for their lives to change and to experience that love. Because Jesus is saying, that's where I'm going. You know where I'm going? I'm going into the depths of people's sins and their brokenness and their, heart and their hurts so that they can have eternal life. You follow me? Anybody following me? Anybody coming out? It's going to be hard. Because we're going to get into some junk. We're going to get some hard stuff. Are you going to follow me? Because that's where I'm going. So if anybody wants to follow me, that's where I'm going. So the question is, is are we following Jesus? Because that's where Jesus is going. Jesus gave up his own way to do what the Father called him to do, which is to give up his life. But you know what? In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, for, you know, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. Why? Because of his love. That's generosity. So Jesus is saying, that's where I'm going. If anybody wants to follow me, get in line. We're going into the hurts and the hangups and the, and the hard things of life. But you know what? It's going to change people's lives forever. And that's why during this whole series, as we wrap it up, the big idea has been generosity has, is just this open heart towards that freely moves towards others. It's the heart that says, I'm willing to suffer. Why? Because my heart is overflowing and I just desire to see them change and I desire for them to experience the love of Jesus Christ. Did you know that the, that the Roman Empire became Christian not because of some great sermons, some great preaching. It came because there was a group of people who were radically changed by the love of Jesus Christ that went and loved other people, even the same people who thought they were idiots, they were morons, they didn't have a clue, all of these things, and they just kept loving them until other people began to realize, well, wait a minute, maybe these Christians are onto something. Maybe there is something more to this Jesus. Maybe there's something more to this death on this cross thing. Maybe there's something more to the point by which one person's life changed, and another person's life changed, and another person's life changed. And it was all because of just this generosity of an open heart that freely moved towards other people, no matter who they were, no matter who they were. 
That's why, as Nate said earlier, generosity changes lives. Those of us who have been changed by the life of Jesus Christ have been changed because of his generosity, because he loves us. As Paul wrote in, in Romans, don't you know that it was God's kindness that leads us to repentance? It's God's kindness that leads us to change. It's his generosity that leads us to change. I follow Jesus because who in the world would I follow more than a person who, who died on the cross for me? A person who knows everything about me and still loves me so much, he wants me to win over all the stuff in my own life that he's willing to die for me. I don't know anybody else who I'd rather follow than that person. It's his generosity that changed my lives. And I would assume it's probably the generosity of Christ that changed a lot of y'all's lives as well. So when it comes to us being people of generosity, though, this is what's really important for us to think about. And it is this, that generosity is really not about really giving of ourselves over our things, but giving of Christ. Generosity to this world really is not really so much of giving about myself and, and things. Because the moment that I begin to give myself or, or, or my stuff, then things begin to get funky. Because then it begins about me. Okay? The generosity begins to become something like, well, I want something back. Or my generosity then becomes about something I want to pat on the back. But when it's just about Christ, there's just something about it that is just, that is just freeing and pure and beautiful that desires nothing in return just to love. Because I just want you to experience the love that I've received from Christ himself. The moment that we as people desire to give of ourselves is the moment that we desire to get our own glory from it, and things get funky. And it's not just as individuals, it's us as churches as well. The more that we want our community to think how great and wonderful River Run is, that's the moment everything gets really funky around here. The generosity that we give to this world is Jesus Christ, period. There was another individual who was in the dark about Jesus, thought Jesus very differently about Jesus, thought very differently about the people who followed Jesus. He didn't really like them too much, thought they were a nuisance, thought they were a drag on society. In fact, they thought that these Christians brought confusion to the world. And so he set out to get rid of these Christians, to eradicate them to bring them into prison, to get them kicked out of the places of worship, uh, and even to have them killed. But there was a moment where he met the real Jesus, by which his life changed, boom, and the light came on. And his name was Paul, the most influential, probably Christ follower over the last 2,000 years, who's not Jesus Christ. And he wrote in a letter to a bunch of Christians in Corinth, some of the kind of a window into his life that now how God's generosity into his life, how that has impacted the way that he lives his own life of generosity out into this world that's had massive impact in the Roman world and around the globe for the last 2,000 years. So we're going to look at this passage. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 5 if you want to open up your Bibles and kind of follow along there. But if you don't have that, that's fine. Uh, the verses are also on that, on that worship guide as well. So th- those QR codes that you can click on as well and get that, those pieces to it. But they're also going to be on the, on the screen here. So Paul writes this. Out of the light switching on, experiencing God's grace, the generosity of Jesus Christ as a person who's trying to kill people who are following Jesus. But then out of God's continual love for him, a terrorist, 
His life was changed. And now seeing Jesus for who he is face to face, the love and the grace of God, he writes to the people of Corinth. And this is what he says. He says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves because that's not what you need. Nobody in this room needs Paul's preaching. None of us in this room needs my preaching, but all of us in this room needs Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says, he goes on, he says, that's why we preach Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why we follow him. That's why we let him lead. Uh, That's why we take up our cross. In fact, and again, this isn't coming out of the sense of blind followership. Paul is following someone who loved him to the point of death. Paul is is submitting to somebody far wiser than himself, who is kinder and, you know, and loves better than him. So we preach that Jesus, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. All this sense of humble generosity... This isn't about us. This is about Jesus. Because you don't need us. You need Jesus. We are just your servants for Jesus' sake. I'm just your servant for Jesus' sake. Because we need Jesus and his love. So he goes on. For God, Paul says, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts. In other words, Paul was saying there was a time in my life where my life was dark when it came to God. I was confused about him. I had lots of opinions and lots of thoughts about him. And I acted out on those things, but I found that I was living in darkness until he shone the light into my heart. And so he's made this light shine in my heart. This bitterness, this anger, this confusion turned into a light of warmth, love, clarity. So... He has made this light shine in our hearts. So why? We could know the glory of God. What is the glory of God? You know, the glory of God is what Paul says here. The glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is God becoming man. The glory of God out of his love. The glory of God is God coming to this world and sacrificing his life because he loves us. The glory of God is wrapped around the clarity in our lives that God is for us, not against us. God loves us tremendously to the point of giving up his life for us. So he made this light shine in my heart to make me realize who he really is. A God who knows everything about me, but he loves me. So it's seen in the face of Christ. So we now, he goes on in verse 7, he says, for we now... Have this light shining in our hearts. But here's the deal, he said. But this light, whose light is this? Is this my light? No, it's not my light. It's the light of God. It's the glory of God that is in my heart. That, that, you know, know, that, that burns within my heart the love of God. But we ourselves, we're like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. In other words, what he's saying here is that this light, this light is not mine. I'm in this broken body that is decaying. I'm in this world by which I struggle with my flesh. If there's anything good inside of me, if there's anything pure, it comes from the light of God shining in my, 
in my heart, in my life. So these fragile clay jars containing great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is not from us. Our generosity is not us. We're a bunch of clay jars to give to this world. We're a bunch of mixed bags in this world. We have good days, we have bad days. I'm a pastor. I have good days, I have bad days. This whole weekend, I've been fighting a stinking leak in my toilet. I've had some bad moments for the last couple of days. And so I recognize that the goodness that is in me comes from the light of Jesus Christ in my life. Not me. I'm a broken, fragile clay jar that gets upset when toilets don't work the way they're supposed to work. And that's why we preach Jesus Christ as Lord, because he's good, because he loves us. And this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And so he goes on, he says, you know what, this, this life is hard, but here's the deal. We are pressed on every side of tr- by troubles, but guess what? We're not crushed. Why? Because Jesus Christ is Lord. We are not perplexed. Why? You know, we're not perplexed, but not driven to despair. We don't despair. Why? Because Jesus is our victory. We are hunted down by the confusion of people not understanding who we are, but you know what? We know that we're never abandoned by God. And Paul said in another letter, I am convinced that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. We get knocked down, but you know what? We're not destroyed because we are invincible in Christ. To live is Christ, to die is gain. If I live, it means fruitful labor, Paul says in another letter. But if I die, that means I'm just with the Lord forever. I'm invincible. We're not destroyed. We rejoice in the Lord always. In verse 10, he goes on and he says, Those through suffering... Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may may also be seen in our bodies. What does that mean? Here's what he means. We apostles in this world that is confused about Jesus Christ, in the confusion, we are getting our, our can kicked. But guess what? We still love those who are hurting us. Because we recognize that they stand on the outside not understanding who we understand, Jesus Christ. We continue to love even if other people don't love us. Because even in that pain and suffering, the love of Jesus Christ is coming to the surface. Do you know why the Romans stopped killing Christians? Because they got tired of killing nice people. It's basically how it changed. It changed because people go, went, wait a minute. These people pay their taxes. These people give us food. These people take care of us when we're sick and we treat them like that. I think I'm done with that. I don't want to do that anymore. That is the, the love of Jesus Christ, the light of Jesus Christ coming to the surface, even when other people make us suffer. And those of us who suffer, we come under and follow Jesus and remind ourselves that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ suffered because I'm a sinner and suffered because of my sin. And he loved me. And he, he loved me even in my own ignorance about him. And that's changed my life. So that's what Paul is saying here. Through suffering, even though we suffer, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. We're dealing with the suffering. But you know what? In that moment, when we are showing the love of Jesus Christ in that, other people see the life of Jesus in that as well. And so, yes, he says. So, yes. We live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. Yes, it's true. 
But we do that so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you, Corinthians. You, Chuliodans, Ovidians, there's too many weird things in this area, Floridians and things. All of us have, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life because somebody, somebody gave up their life for us. And it's not just Jesus Christ. It's a lot of people through the 2,000 years who stepped up in the face of adversity and said, I will love you even if you kill me. I will love you even if you kill me. I will love you even if you kill me. I will love you even if you think I'm an idiot or you think I'm wrong. It's okay. I know who I know. And I just want you to experience his love. And it's through that that our lives have been changed. You see the movement of God move. It's resulted in our eternal life. So Jesus says basically, hey guys, that's where I'm going. I'm going this way to save some lives so that people can have eternal life. Anybody following me? But here's the deal. If you're going to follow me, we're going to go into some hard stuff. But the question is, are you willing to get into some hard stuff? Because here's the thing. It works. Why? How do I know it works? Because your life has changed, right? I know it works because my life has changed. So Jesus says, come on, it works. It's been changing people's lives for the last 2,000 years. Come follow me. It's where I'm going. And so in verse 13, he goes on and he says, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God. I believe in his love. I believe in his sacrifice. I believe in the gift of eternal life. I believe in his wisdom. I believe that as he who loved me, his enemy at one time and made me friend that in me calling me to go and love my enemies, I will have some future friends. And so I believe. And so I believe I go and preach. I go and live. So that way the life of Christ may be, live, be seen in my life through my words and even through my body. And so we know that God, goes on in verse 14, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. This is worth it, he's saying. Following Jesus is worth it because... I will be raised with Jesus. We will be raised to Jesus together. We will be living with him forever together. And guess what? The more we do that and the more we go in love, the more that we follow Jesus out into our community and, not, and, and we're not living our lives to preach ourselves, but live our lives so people may see Jesus in us, that's just going to give more and more thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. You know how God receives more and more glory? God receives more and more glory from more and more people to understand how much he loves us and loves them. That's how God receives glory. That's how we are to live our lives into this world with a heart of generosity. And that is why, he says, goes on in verse 16, that is why I never give up. Never give up. Paul never gave up until God called him home. God calls us to do the same thing. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You do that, you, you will reap a harvest of people's lives who are changed just like yourselves. Follow me. Follow me. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Here's one thing I know about my body. After being in a weird position 
for like a long time yesterday. You know, the, my toilet's not like in the open or anything like that. You know, you know what I mean? I'm getting up and I'm groaning without even knowing how much I'm groaning. The groaning that I'm have is my body that's aging. Whether I follow Jesus or not, my body is going to groan and it's going to die. It's going to decay. But I found in my life that even though in this physical world things may decay, there is renewal in my heart every single time I connect it to the love of Jesus Christ. There's renewal in my heart every single time I choose to let God light up my heart by which that light goes and loves somebody else unconditionally. My, my heart is renewed. I find that my heart begins to die the moment I began to get inward. The more I begin to do my own way rather than to love other people the way of Jesus Christ. Or even when I get funky and I want to be generous to other people in order to get something from them. Something weird and funky happens to that. Slowly begins to have this weird death that happens. But my life begins to become renewed. Every time I'm just willing to say, Lord, I'm a, I'm a fragile clay pot. I'm just open to your power to to work inside my inner person to remind me how much you love me and then through that love you just light me up to go and step into the lives of other people come what may no matter what so they too may experience the light that is found in you that I have found in you and so as we wrap up this series on generosity my hope is is that all of us would just really retool and think about life of generosity Generosity is not so much the exchanging of goods and services and stuff. It really, all it is is just an open heart that God has changed in our lives that then we just freely move into the life of a fellow person who's made in the image of Jesus Christ. And we just love. And we're just generous. A generosity doesn't become something that we do. It's really a flexion of who we are becoming. And we're becoming like Jesus Christ by which we just do this. Jesus Christ endured the cross because his joy for you and I. I believe that where God really ultimately wants to take us, if we were to say, hey, God, what's the end goal to take us? I believe it's to take us to a place by which we are generous to other people without even really even knowing that we're generous because we're just like Jesus. We just do it because we just love. Just in those moments in our lives that every single one of us have experienced where we have sacrificed something and we didn't even think of it as a sacrifice because we just love them. We sacrifice when we love someone more than the other things of this world. And in that moment, a sacrifice no longer becomes a sacrifice. It becomes generosity. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your generosity in our own lives. That you moved out of love for us. And it's amazing how you are glorified the moment that we are reminded or understand for the first time how much you love us. That you are glorified when we move from the outside and we come into the inside and understand that you are for us and not against us. That you are glorified when we understand how wise you are and how good you are, how wonderful you are, what a good God you are. And so, Father, I pray as we just kind of continue to sing this song and and just allow you to work in our hearts to fill us first and foremost with your love because it's in that love and it's through that love 
that we're going to be generous to other people. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.